Hi, I'm Michael Siddle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And welcome to Trendline. Uh, Nick, right before we start, just some housekeeping. I will be disappearing for three months on Pat leave, but the amazing Rachel ILO will be filling in for me uh, during my absence. Uh, just will, to get that out of the will, way. Will you, will you come back rested? I will come back hopefully rested. Uh, we'll see. My my kid is not sleeping so so well, but we'll see. Knock on wood. Um, so uh, in this episode, uh, we've got some uh, good news, bad news with with the pandemic. Good news: COVID nineteen cases are trending down. I think that's important to note. Bad news: we're seeing these uh, terrible new variants uh, that are more contagious, possibly even more deadly. One has uh, ripped through an Ontario long-term care home, uh, suspected of killing dozens of people. Um, and we keep seeing all these bad headlines about, about you know, um, our problems getting more vaccine doses, all these delays in our procurement. Uh, but Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is sticking by a September timeline. I know people are really eager to find out when are we going to get to that starting line? When are we going to start uh, giving people vaccines? And we're working as hard as we can to make that as quickly as possible. But at the same time, what really matters is when we get to cross the finish line. And the fact that the doctors highlighted that if all goes according to plan, we should be able to have uh, the, uh, the majority of Canadians vaccinated by next September puts us in very good stead. Pending Health Canada approval, the first shipment of doses is tracking for delivery next week. Shipments will continue to arrive into 2021 with millions of doses on the way. From our agreements with Moderna and Pfizer alone, we will now have 80 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines arriving this year. We're on track to have every Canadian who wants a vaccine receive one by September. We are still very much on track for 20 million doses in the spring from Pfizer and Moderna, with more vaccine companies in the process of approval right now. And we will get everyone vaccinated by September. Uh, so Nick, do Canadians believe him? Well, what do we hear? We hear millions and millions. I kind of remember, remember Carl Sagan? I don't know if you're old enough. Oh, yeah. Billions and billions. Anyways, we heard millions and millions of doses, which I'm sure is pretty good. September, mm -hmm. I heard September, September, and September. Mm -hmm. Those are the two key messages. It's pretty clear that the prime minister is trying to push through, that they have or expect to have enough doses, and that uh, by September, uh, we should be in relatively good shape. But, you know, when we do the research and we ask Canadians whether they, on a four-point scale, believed or didn't believe uh, the, the statement from the Prime Minister that by September 2021, anyone who wants a shot will get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, what's interesting, about 16% outright believe, 34% somewhat believe, 16% somewhat not believe, 31% do not believe at all. So you got... 50% on one side of the equation, 46% on the other side of the equation. But the killer number here is those that absolutely believe. That's 16%. So that is the proportion of Canadians that absolutely have confidence in uh, in the statement that the, that the Prime Minister has made. And you know what? This is going to be a bit of a moving target and a work in progress because we're very early. It'll be interesting to see whether this believability increases or decreases based on what happens in the uh, in the next number of months. 
Right. I mean, on, at ctpnews.ca, we have a vaccine tracker where you can see how many Canadians have gotten a, a first dose. And right now, I believe it's under 3%, still under 3% of the entire population. So the, the numbers are there. I know we haven't started mass vaccinations yet, but but if if Canadians are kind of looking at this reality check on what the prime minister is, is saying, I mean, how why why is he sticking to this uh, September message? Well, I think he wants to provide some sort of certainty. But you know what? If we had uh, if we put the highlight reel from why don't we say before 2015, before he was even prime minister. I would hazard to say that before Justin Trudeau was prime minister, one of the things that he and his advisors did very effectively was that they lowered expectations. They underpromised and overdelivered, right? Mm. On the leaders debate uh, on, you remember that crazy boxing match? You know, they said he was going to get roughed up and then he knocked oh, out. Yeah. He knocked out the conservative uh, senator. Patrick Brazo, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, you know, they're very good. I think they're very good at underpromising and overdelivering. in this particular case, the question is, is is the prime minister being too ambitious? You know, I think an alternative would it be if we do if we talk about potential alternatives would have just said that, you know, sometime between July and December, anyone that uh, wants to get vaccinated will get vaccinated. We're going to work as hard as possible to get that done as quickly as possible. And then uh, if he had delivered on September, people would have said, "Tip of the hat, great job." You know, and uh, and if they had done it in September, they would have said, well, we would have liked you have done it sooner, but at least you're in the zone. And uh, I think when you start putting firm dates on things, uh, that's when Canadians who know that we are hostage to the global supply chain for vaccines. Mm -hmm. So how can we have a firm date like September 2021? So even if people aren't, aren't experts, they're thinking, wow, that's pretty specific. So maybe... Uh, Maybe just having a range would have probably helped a lot hmm. in terms of more Canadians being comfortable or believe, believing in, in what was said in that particular statement. So he, sh he should be trying the Scotty rule, perhaps, not the... Uh... Scotty from Star Trek. Absolutely. <laughs> For those who know, you, you can Google it if, if you don't know the Scotty rule. But... We don't have a Scotty clip. Are you kidding no. me? No, <laughs> unfortunately not. Yeah. But but Nick, what's the what's the political cost for this in September? If if the federal government is not able to uh, deliver on this, well, there'll be a lot of Canadians that uh, who are already are anxious and have anxiety and are worrying. It's going to go from that to anger, especially if there are individuals whose loved ones pass away, uh, who get sick. If the economy doesn't reopen as quickly as it as it can, and there's there'll be more, uh, there'll be political hell to play. And that's probably explains why, you know, another thing that we asked, we asked about Canadians, how they felt about the federal government paying a premium for more and quicker access to vaccines. And, you know, what's interesting is about 60% or six out of every 10 Canadians support or somewhat support poning up some more cash uh, in order to have more and quicker access to vaccines, while only about 35% or thereabouts opposer or somewhat oppose that. So it's kind of like one of those things where probably makes sense if they don't 100% believe or have confidence in the September timeline, they're probably thinking, you know, Prime Minister, uh, if you have an opportunity to get more vaccines, even if it costs a little more of a premium, you should definitely consider that as part of the strategy to fight the pandemic. Mm. Uh, you've also got a sort of a report card on how 
the federal government and provincial governments are doing on the vaccine rollout. So what did you find out? Yeah, we have to be careful. We It is a report card, but this is kind of like, I don't know if whether this is the interim report card mm. or kind of the meeting with the parent before the first right. part of the semester where, because uh, report card, you know, it's pretty gruesome numbers, you know, in, mm. uh, in the survey that we uh, did, you know, we asked Canadians to rate the federal government and their province on a 10 point scale where kind of like zero was a very poor job, 10 was a good job. And they asked them to rate them on the vaccination rollout. The feds got, brace yourself, 4.7 out of 10. Wow. Provinces got 5.5 out of 10. So if we put our little, uh, our, our kind of educational analogy into play, the feds, because they got 4.7, that's an F mm-hmm. failure because it's below five. The provinces, just a little better, so they get a D because they're only at 5.5. So uh, not great news for either, uh, but the one thing is very important that this is very early in the process. We'll have to see whether these numbers move at all uh, as more vaccinations kind of land on the shores of Canada and the vaccination actually rolls in. So we kind of say, this is complicated. Can we say a preliminary interim report card Right. Uh, shows this. So two ways to look at this. We can say, man, these are brutal numbers. Or we can say, well, there's only one way to go up because could it get worse than 4.7 out of 10? I hope not. I mean, a, a lot can, can change in a year, especially in, in, in a political year. It's uh, our producer Trevor was pointing out that, uh, you know, at this point last year, we were talking about a federal budget. Yeah. Uh, now, I believe. And, and look where we are. So who knows what could happen? And you know, there's there's definitely difference by region too on on these scorecards. So mm. uh, for all those uh, listeners and watchers that are in Atlantic Canada, you're probably more likely to give uh, a higher score for your province, six point nine. Mm. So they get like a C plus. But if you're in Ontario or the Prairies, those were the two provinces that actually scored the lowest. They scored fails, four point five and four point seven. So it's not the same rate across the board. So maybe those uh, Atlantic Canadians, you know, the bubble, the uh, stern talk. The uh, focus on uh, keeping people from the rest of Canada out of Atlantic Canada. <laughs> out of Atlantic Canada, yeah. As, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, the fact that their cases have been under control compared mm-hmm. to a lot of other parts of the country uh, makes uh, Atlantic Canadians the most hopeful in terms of scoring their provincial government compared to Canadians that live in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Now, Nick, you've also uh, done some research on how Canadians feel about travel restrictions. So what did you find out about that? Yeah, well, it looks like Canadians are ready for a real uh, hard line. You know, it doesn't matter which way you cut it. We asked Canadians how they felt about the government suspending flights to sunny destinations. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're not talking, you know, so it's going to be a while before we have sunny destinations in Canada because we're still in the thick of uh, winter. But um, we can see from the polling um, about 72% of Canadians outright suspending these flights and another 14% somewhat support. So man, that's like 86%. So when the government did that, that has a lot of, uh, that has a lot of support. And then testing for people that return, travelers that return, exceptionally high numbers, almost 19 out of 20 Canadians support or somewhat support mandatory testing for any person, a visitor, uh, from outside of Canada, including Canadians, that comes mm-hmm. back. So uh, I'm going to say lower the boom, 
Yeah, lower the boom <laughs> on, uh, on travel in order yeah. to uh, to fight the pandemic. I mean, it's, it's it's huge support for this. So I, it almost makes me wonder why why didn't the government act sooner on this? Oh, exactly. And you know, how about that? You know, and maybe Michael, we should have a whole segment on how about some of those politicians that did do travel to sunny places. Like, yeah, how how out of sync was that with average Canadians? It made those politicians uh, look bad. It made their governments look bad. Mm -hmm. But you know, the thing is, it wasn't special to any party or any province, it was like there were liberals, conservatives, new Democrats, um, united conservatives uh, that uh, did that. And it was at the federal level and the provincial level, but uh, it, uh, it, it speaks to, you know, Canadians wanted a shutdown of the border, wanted restrictions on travel. The government asked for that. And then we had some politicians whose uh, behavior didn't align with that. So uh, didn't look very good, didn't look very good at all. Uh, we've also seen some non-politicians travel within the country to get ahead of the line, the vaccine line. I, and I think uh, that this is, I'm talking about the BC couple accused of traveling to a remote community in Yukon to, uh, to get a Moderna dose. Um, unsurprisingly, I think you did some research on this as well. Yes. Why don't we call them, Michael, pandemic pariahs? Yeah, <laughs> I right? think that's like, accurate. Come on. You know, we, yeah. we saw, to your point, there are these stories about people, uh, you know, one couple that went to northern Canada in order mm -hmm. to jump the queue, pretending to be uh, hospitality workers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, we have other Canadians going out of province and out of country sometimes to jump the queue. So, you mm -hmm. know, we asked Canadians how they felt about uh, individuals who travel outside of their province in order to access the vaccine faster than they would in uh, their community. And 70% uh, of Canadians outright oppose, another somewhat, another 14% somewhat oppose. So, uh, you know, the key takeaway here is if you do this, your neighbors are not going to be, uh, your, your neighbors will not look kindly on uh, queue jumpers mm. uh, or people that want to skirt above around the rules. Uh, you know, what they want, you know, let's face it, this is kind of like a war, right? So, you know, because it's a war, they want everyone to kind of be on the same page. They want everyone to work together and to kind of respect the rules. So uh, anything that looks like queue jumping uh, at least uh, would make you a pandemic pariah. Now, I, I, I want to backtrack uh, back to the international travel. I, obviously, these restrictions have, have uh, cost uh, a lot of jobs. Air Canada uh, has announced a lot of uh, temporary layoffs. They're calling them temporary. Um, do Canadians, is, is there support for a sectoral bailout for the for the airline industry? Well, first of all, whenever we say bailouts for any company, you know, the first uh, the first inclination for many Canadians are, is kind of like, do we really need a bailout? Like, uh, it's, it's not, uh, you, you know, we're not overly generous uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to bailouts, except if they're absolutely necessary. When we tested on uh, how Canadians felt about a bailout for the airlines, to get them through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, what we saw was about 20%, I believe, uh, supported that, another 45% somewhat supported, and about uh, you know 17 and 15% opposed. So by a margin of two to one, uh, they mm -hmm. supported the bailout of the airlines, but that intensity of support's not really strong mm -hmm. uh, because it's only one out of every five. So I think Canadians understand that uh, that industry has been very hard hit. And, uh, and you know, 
we have to realize that for a lot of remote parts of Canada, airline is the only feasible way, especially between remote parts of the north. Um, airline is the only way to get around. And, you know, for a lot of even smaller communities in the south, I always kind of find it weird, southern Canada, like Cape Breton, we heard about right. you know, airport flights closing in, uh, in Cape Breton, how mm. that can have a material impact, for example, on the local university mm -hmm. uh, in Cape Breton. So mm -hmm. there's sympathy. And uh, in the short term, in order to help those airlines get through the pandemic and get to the other side of this. Mm. Uh, we've covered a ton of stuff this episode, Nick. Uh, do you, what's your, your final takeaway or your final prediction? Well, how about this? I'm not sure. How about instead of getting a prediction, how about if I have a hope, which maybe is a very unresearched <laughs> data guy thing to do. Yeah. Uh, with the federal kind of satisfaction report card at 4.7 and the provinces at 5.5, let's hope that that actually is the low mark. Because mm -hmm. if it's not, that means that the pandemic, our response to the pandemic will be a fiasco. It will be shambolic. It will be a mess and uh, we won't get that recovery. So how about this? Why don't we finish out with a hope that the current F and the current D that the federal government and provinces have improve as Canadian C vaccines hit the ground and get into their arms. I like that. Ending it on an optimistic note. I like that, Nick. Uh, and as always, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nick, N-I-K, Nanos, or you can get all these stats that we talked about on the Nanos website at www.nanos.co. And I'm also on Twitter at Michael Siddle and you can uh, check out our vaccine tracker that I mentioned at ctvnews.ca. Uh, Nick, as always, thank you. See you later.